today on Ag News Daily. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Mike Pearson. And Mike, now we're actually both in the state of Iowa, also probably the closest we've been in quite some time to recording the podcast. Yes, I'm on the south side of Des Moines right now, sitting in a Mexican restaurant, getting ready to stuff my face with steak tacos. Delaney, what are you up to? I have been answering emails most of my morning because that's what happens when you are on the road for a couple of days. That's true. That's true. And uh, that's the way life goes. It is email answering adulthood. Yes, it is. But also in my emails, I also get ag news, Mike. And we've had quite a bit come out, especially from the USDA's Ag Outlook Forum. Yeah. So what have you been hearing? What are the updates from the USDA? Well, as I mentioned yesterday, they obviously adjusted some acreage numbers already for 2020 but they also adjusted mike the ending stocks specifically the corn market ending stocks they adjusted those pretty substantially to about 2.637 million bushels and soybean ending stocks they actually lowered them pretty substantially down to 320 bush is billion bushels here in or million bushels excuse me here in 2020 so that seems fairly friendly i would say for the soybean market yes but bearish for the corn side is that would be a record large carryout if the usda's projections end up coming true and it's still very very early in the marketing season that it is but the other big headline mike that we've actually we probably should have started with this but uh i think i called this so i'd like to take first credit but it does appear that we are going to probably see another round of market facilitation payment programs here in 2020 absolutely it's an election year in election year uncle sam always finds a way to siphon more dollars out of dc and into other voters pockets and uh, agriculture will be no exception this year we don't know what form they're going to take But President Trump said that until these trade deals, quote, kick in, there will be additional payments going to agriculture. Yeah, and he tweeted that out today. So it was kind of officially official, if you will. He said in his tweet today, quote, if our formally targeted farmers need additional aid until such time as the trade deals with Mexico, China and Canada and others fully kick in, that aid will be provided by our federal government paid out for or paid for out of the massive tariff money coming into the usa i know that's uh not exactly how you see the tariff money though mike it's it's not how i see the tariff money delaney because that's not how tariffs operate president trump has been misguided on tariffs and how they function or at least he's been actively misrepresenting how tariffs are financed since he became president and it is something that sticks in my craw i won't get up on a soapbox (laughs) about it but And we do know, thanks to court cases over payments to farmers in the past, that legally he is not allowed to use the additional taxpayer money that the American consumer has been paying in these higher taxes, which is what tariffs are, to pay to the American farmer. So this is just more sleight of hand. It's frustrating to see it coming from this president. It's frustrating to see it, you know, repeated ad nauseum on Twitter. But there we go. At the end of the day, there will be additional money coming by hook or by crook from uh, Uncle Sam to U.S. farmers. That's, an, that's a nice saying, by hook or by crook. Never heard that one. Yeah, well, that's probably the best way to represent it. 
And, you know, President Trump needs to keep agriculture happy. He has continually thrown this industry under the bus. And during an election year, there's concern that perhaps farmers just won't go vote. I don't think they're going to go cast a ballot for Uncle Bernie. But uh, (laughs) if President Trump doesn't do right by agriculture, they just might be willing to sit out the presidential contest Mm -hmm. when it comes to voting. And that's the concern that's being risen there in D.C. You know what? Speaking of voting, this doesn't really necessarily apply to agriculture, but I found this really interesting. I was reading an article yesterday or the day before that said there are quite a few businesses considering giving folks a vacation day or making it a holiday on election day this year to encourage people to get out there and actually cast a vote. Well, that would be interesting. You know, I think that... uh... That's up to each individual business. I I have heard discussion of maybe making a push to get rid of President's Day and instead replace it with a national holiday on Election Day, which certainly seems like it would be worth doing. Unfortunately, Election Day really only comes around every two years. Um, So you might be giving up every other holiday. But, you know, I'm sure they'd find a way to make it work. Hmm. All right. Well, Mike, the other big headline I had for today was looking again at African swine fever. We saw some new research come out earlier this week done by both the Swine Health Information Center, also known as SHIC, as well as the Pork Checkoff Board. We've seen them do quite a bit of research in relation to African swine fever. And previously, from some of the research they'd done, they suggested that conventional soybean meal needed to be held about 52 days from when it was born or packaged, which would, in that 52-day window, possibly still carry the African swine fever virus. Now they've come out with new research saying, actually, to feel comfortable, we suggest that 125 days is the new window when the virus could still stay an active virus in some of these hog feeds oh wow that is extreme 125 days so four month window this virus could survive in feeds and that's considering the amount of stuff that comes from china that's troubling that's just for the conventional soybean meal they said organic soybean meal is actually 168 days interesting i i wonder what the distinction is i'm not sure we've been told repeatedly that there is no chemical or genetic distinction between organic and treated uh, soybean meal. So listeners, if you are of the plant biology mindset, uh, reach out to us. Find us on Twitter or Facebook at Ag News Daily and let us know why would there be a difference in virus survivability between organic and non-organic soybean meals. That's fascinating. Yes, it is. Mike, what other news was jumping out at you for today? Well, I tell you, we've got a story here. It was an update on a story we talked about yesterday, which is Canadian wheat exports slowing down as those rail blockades have continued. Uh, It was reported by AgriCensus earlier today that Canadian wheat exports have slowed for the second week due to these rail blockades. And um, in fact, it is siphoning $9 million a day from the grain industry, both in terms of storage weights and additional costs there, and as far as just not meeting export commitments, as the grain can't get from the central part of the country over to the coasts. Yeah, that's going to continue to be a problem. And and I don't know, I guess we didn't really address this before, but Monday's wheat rally, do you think this had anything to do with the Canadian uh, rail line issues? Yeah, it, it 
it might have had a little bit, but I think that was more driven by the uh, the locust spread there in Africa and by the fact that at the time we thought coronavirus was getting under control. So we thought China might be jumping into uh, to buy some wheat. And now, of course, it looks like that might not be the case. Gotcha. OK, that makes sense. Well, I tell you what, Delaney, I just do not have a whole lot of news today. Um, really, just the, the big story was the aid coming from D.C. for the American farmer. And um, apparently there is some good news, I suppose, for Chinese chicken producers. Um, not great news. Uh, a lot of the flock is being hurt because they're not able to get feed amidst the uh, transportation lockdowns in China, especially there around Wuhan. But it is also driving prices higher. So those that do still have birds are able to sell into a much more inflated protein market, which is definitely working in their favor. How does that work if they're a communist system? How would their prices be inflated? That's never really fully made sense to me. Well, and don't quote me on it, but the food markets in China are still fairly driven by supply and demand. The, the government doesn't come out and say, we're going to buy all your food and then provide it to you at X dollars or X, you know, uh, remimbi, a slice of pork. You, you go to the market and you pay based on supply and demand for for food. So that's why those prices have been fluctuating so much this year. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's a good segue into my last story, Mike, because another thing that's been fluctuating a lot this year has been the ethanol markets. Kind of two quick updates on that front. First of all, we've seen quite a few biofuel groups are urging the EPA to make a quick decision on how they're going to deal with those three small refinery exemptions that happened in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that we've talked about previously on the podcast. We also then saw Representative Steve King of Iowa sent President Trump a letter just a few days ago on February 19th and has made his letter public now. And in the letter, he's basically asked President Trump to, quote, make a declarative statement that a minimum of 15 billion gallons will be blended annually and that all gallons actually waived will be annually recaptured under the RFS. That would be a really good move for ethanol if President Trump were to come out and do that and somehow force the EPA to actually follow the law. But, uh, you know, I think we've talked about on this podcast before, and it's been national news for the past several years. Representative King's power in D.C. has been slipping due to the uh, comments he persists on making about various issues. And uh, so, you know, I don't know how much it's going to actually matter, but we'll see. We will see indeed, Mike. But that, with that, I'm out of news actually as well. Perfect. Well, let's jump into the markets, folks. We are ending the day in the red in the grains. Starting with corn, remember, March corn option expiration is today, or was today, rather. March corn closed the day down one and a half cents at 377 even. The May contract down two pennies, closed at 380 and three quarters. In soybeans, March was down two and a quarter at 890 and a half. The May down two cents, finished at 899 even. Soybeans really took it on the chin. The March contract dropped nine cents in Chicago at 551 even. The May down seven and a quarter to close at 552 even. 
Jumping over to the world of livestock, we've got weakness again in cattle. In the April live cattle contract, they dropped 90 cents to close at 118.25. June down 65 cents, finishing at 110.2750. And in feeder cattle, the March contract, excuse me, April contract down 42 and a half cents at 142.10. May down 72.50, closing at 142.85 even. Looking at lean hogs, mixed grade today. The April contract was up 15 cents at 67.02.50. May down 45, closing at 74.02 and a half. Can't forget about our friends in the dairy industry. February class three milk up six cents at 17.01, with the March down four, wrapping the day at 16.62. Well, folks, that's the markets for today. Tune in next week. We'll be updating you. We will be back with more interviews next week. Next week, of course, is Commodity Classic. I'll be down there in San Antonio, Texas. If you will be down there, reach out. We'd love to get a chance to talk to you, see what happened this year in your operation. Delaney, how can folks reach out to us? Well, Mike, we are very active on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure and find us there at Ag News Daily or at Global Ag Network. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.